Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Crimeland. My name's Julie J, and this week I'm talking to the very, very funny... Tony Cantwell is my name. Hi. Hi. About the Killer Lobster Boy. When I read up on this one, I said I can only do this with Tony Cantwell. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It screams, Tony. Tony, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for taking uh, time out of your hectic podcasting schedule to join me this evening. Not at all. Isn't it amazing, though, when you when people say, oh, you're really busy, and then you you think to yourself, I haven't been doing and I'm so glad people think I'm busy. Isn't that great? I know. There is a, there is a bit of a Heinz Beans ad um, kind of vibe for my Instagram at the moment. People are like, you're so productive. I'm like, I literally, <laughs> I work for 20 minutes a day, and then the rest of the day I'm just eating bagels. I'm like, really not productive at all. But thank, thank you, you for buying well. into my shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me tell you about the Killer Lobster Boy, Tony. Okay, so stemming back to the early 1900s, Gibson Town in Florida was a friendly accepting town and essentially like kind of a retirement town for traveling circuses. It was amazingly progressive and accommodating in terms of catering for their former circus worker residents. So what they did was this place in Florida, it was essentially like this really kind of progressive, almost like a utopia for people who would have previous to that worked in traveling circuses or what were formerly known as freak shows. Wow. Um, So it was it was a really nice little haven where they just made like small adjustments and obviously people felt very welcome there. So even, for example, in the post office, Mm -hmm. they had like a lower desk for like the littler littler people who'd be coming in. Oh, what? Yeah, but like this is way back when. That's amazing. Really, really nice. And they passed a law as well. This is a bit of a Joe Exotic vibe, but they passed (laughs) a law that you could keep your elephants in your garden and that kind of thing. This sounds like something out of a out of a Tim Burton film. It, it it's mad, and it's not that long ago either. So they wow. basically just built this 
almost like, as I said, like a little utopia for themselves. Mm. And then they passed all these laws about like, obviously you could keep your trailers in your driveway and all that kind of crack. And they had some really famous residents. So they had a couple actually in particular who were just, they, it's a really nice little story. So Priscilla was known as the monkey girl. She was born with something called hypertrichosis, which was a condition where basically she had like dark hair covering her face and body. And right, she yeah. fell in love with this guy called Emmett. He was known as the alligator man. I don't know if you ever heard of the alligator man. Did he have a kind of a, a skin scaling kind yes, of issue? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was called, now I'm probably saying this wrong, but ichthyosis, which exactly right. that. It was like kind of a really thick, scaly skin. And then they had fallen in love and basically their circus boss didn't want them to be in love because that was a bit of a distraction from their circus duties. So they moved to this town, Gibson Town in Florida and lived happily ever after. So it was just kind of a positive place for people, I suppose, that had been placed on the peripheries by society. Mm. That's so super nice, sweet. Nice spot. Yeah, has really it, nice. Has this uh, has this place ever been like? Has this have they ever explored this into any kind of film or TV or anything like that? You know what? I was looking it up and not really like since I suppose the whole like the whole traveling circus situation has changed massively. So obviously mm-hmm. there was a huge decline in interest in you know these kind of exploitative shows as the century went on. So now it's very much kind of normalized, but they still, like I was looking up pictures and stuff and they still very much like kind of retain that sense of history when it came to these carnival and circus workers. But mm. it just is a fascinating place. That's fascinating. Have, did, you, really did, you, did you like The Greatest Showman, that film when it was out? Okay, this is going to be controversial, but I never saw The Greatest Showman. I don't, I think it's crap. I think it's crap. I think these are. I, I have think a th- feeling I would think it was crap. I also couldn't get over the fact that this P.T. Barnum fella, like this guy, you know, who is like, it's made out to be like he, like this, he had made a haven for these former circus workers, these quote unquote freaks of the freak show. Um, You know, he was like, you're almost in a kind of like the bearded woman has a song and it's a kind of, you know, you're beautiful no matter what they say kind of vibe. But this guy, P.T. Barnum, like this is a guy who actually was the last, I think possibly one of the last people to own a slave, had bought wow. a 92-year-old slave woman and actually paid people so that they could witness her autopsy. Oh, my God. And no, is this guy paid. in the film, is he presented as, like, the protagonist? Like this is someone Hugh Jackman. This is, this is the big smiley circus oh. leader, Hugh Jackman. And this guy was, like, literally, like, finding the most vulnerable people and then, yeah, obviously they probably got paid more than they ever would have for anything else. But, he, you know, he used to get people in cages and all this sort of stuff. And then he's there dancing uh, in a bar with Zac Efron. So and, so and so is he kind of celebrated in the film? Like, do they look yeah. explore that dark side of him? It's kind of he's the guy. He's the kind of center of it all. His whole thing is like it's the whole thing. The show must go on. And he's giving home to all these people. And they're they're a family. Hey, it's not a workplace. It's a family. But in reality, this guy it was, you know, a horrible, a horrible. But it's it's interesting, man. isn't it? Because there is even like, uh, you know, I know everyone's been banging on about Tiger King, but, you know, sure. there is that kind of subtext to Tiger King as well, where obviously he had very vulnerable people working there. And yeah. it, it seemed like quite exploitative, not just of the animals, but in terms of the animals, but also in terms of people, which was kind of glassed over. I know like everyone's doing the memes and, you know, doing the Tiger King jokes. We're all at that crack. But yeah. I suppose there was that kind of really almost like a sinister element to it as well. Yeah, very much so. And and even the guy, 
even the guy who was just like the it's just so crazy it's not crazy but like it's 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 mad how like just the people who go for these jobs like similarly to the circus it's kind of like these people are like they run away to something and then the only kind of they see and that's all you know the whole thing of like oh we run away and join the circus that all kind of story you know it's kind of like yeah. joining this kind of group the only the only group that would actually accept you as a member kind of thing yeah and generally like the people exactly that like the people who would have ended up in these places would have probably been kind of excommunicated from their communities or treated very badly or come from like abusive situations so again they were probably a lot of them were coming from quite maybe damaged back damaging backgrounds as well Mm. so they were probably particularly vulnerable and then there was that sense like even in this story now very much like we all stick together kind of thing, like us versus them, because right. they really wanted to kind of protect that little safe haven that they had. Yeah, the community. Yeah. So the, the Styles family, so this family now, for example, this is exactly why they would have, say, moved to Gibson Town. So they moved to Gibson, Gibson Town in 1944, and they were known as the Lobster family. So they suffered from this genetic condition called, now I'm probably going to say this wrong, but electrodactyly. And Grady Styles was the dad. And then Grady Styles Jr. had been born in 1937 with this condition, electrodactyly, meaning that all of his limbs were deformed. So essentially his hands were webbed mm. and also he couldn't walk, meaning he had to use a wheelchair to get around. Right. So Grady's dad also had electrodactyly. But it only affected his hands. So he still had mobility and his legs were fine. Grady Jr. then also two sisters, one of whom had this condition in one foot. And then the other sister was totally grand. And her parents actually, the the sister who had had the the condition in, in one of her feet, her parents had actually made the decision to amputate her foot and get her a prosthetic just to help her walk. So oh, wow. the whole the whole family, virt- well, virtually the whole family were affected by, by this. So Grady's dad was kind of made the decision. They were living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And similar to that in terms of what we were saying about like people, you know, maybe being treated very badly previous to arriving in, in these places. Mm. It, the, Grady in particular was bullied really really badly they were in this really rough area of Pittsburgh as well so his father decided when Grady Jr. was seven he was like look we're going to move we have to get out of here we're going to make money with this disadvantage I will show you how to make money so he decided that he should join a freak show that both he and the son should join a freak show wow Right, yeah. I know, I know. So I guess it's probably probably at the time, I suppose, because the dad viewed him as maybe not being able to do anything else. So the dad had quite a limited maybe vision for his son because of his disabilities. Sure. And he thought, okay, look, we can use this to, you know, our advantage here and we can make money out of this. All we have to do is join what they termed at the time a freak show. So Grady Jr. was... can I just ask, were they re- yes, were course. they were they known as the Lobster Family before entering the freak show? No, they weren't. Right. So this okay. so this was their thing. Well, actually, Grady Junior would have Lobster was one of the names that they would have hurled at him, and also Scorpion. They would have hurled that at, at him as well in Pittsburgh. But what they did was they kind of, I suppose, created this brand when they went to Gibson Town, and they were known as the Lobster Family then. Right. Well, do you know what? You do have to hand it to them. I mean, if you if you looked at it the positive way, he could have been looking at his son saying, hey, you son, you know, that thing that you don't like, I'm going to make you 
loads of money from the thing, the very thing that you don't like. Yeah. Almost like, hey, that thing that you don't like about yourself, how about that's the best thing about you? And how about we are the lobster family? It's really flipping it on its head, isn't it? Mm. Like it's quite subversive <laughs> in that way. Like I, you know, I, I, it's it's gas. Like you would say, like obviously when the child is seven, you know, it, you would say, okay, that was the dad a bit rash, saying, look, you know, there's no point in school, there's no point pursuing a career. We only have one choice here: freak show. You know, it <laughs> it seems a little bit limited. But at the same yeah. time, you know, I mean, my mother was probably telling me to become a teacher from the age of five. So, like, we we all have our things. We do, yeah. Whispering in my ear, do the dip, do the dip straight after my communion. So I guess, you know, that's just parents. Yeah, it's um, parents. So they, but it did actually pay off very well. In, well, certainly initially for, for, for the family. So they moved to this town in Florida. They joined the traveling circus and straight away, Grady Jr. was just delighted to be there. He quickly became the celebrity. He rose to the ranks, through the ranks and became a headliner as well, which got him a lot of attention, especially from girls. Wow. Yeah. Now, so he was instantly he's, popular. He's, you know, he's a, you know, as handsome as men were then, you know, he, you know, his, his whole look, you know, he's, you know, he's not a. Not a bad looking guy. No, he was he was he was a cute young man for sure. And like the girls were mad for me, the lovely curly hair. He, you know, had lovely eyes, all the rest. He also developed this newfound confidence. And we know the ladies love a bit of confidence. Sure. He did get he did get particularly confident when he was grow particularly confident when he was there because he made obviously all these traveling circus mates who mm-hmm. really embraced him. And it was actually really nice reading about, like, initially when he went, obviously having come from a really tough area in Pittsburgh where he had been bullied horrendously. These people taught him how to hold a pen, which led to him learning to write. He also taught himself how to crawl. And that's when he, his upper body strength really kind of became insane. And his right. favorite pastime at the circus was basketball, which he could play from his wheelchair. So the second they landed in Florida, he was just very happy to be there because, as I said, he was a bit of a celebrity and he made a lot of friends. And, you know, he kind of reminds me, I don't know if you ever had a friend who was like a frigid, right? And then they met someone for the first time. And then all of a sudden they're meeting loads of birds. So you then, see, this you know, is it. Yeah. You get that one hint of confidence. And then all of a sudden, like I had a guy, I had a friend of mine. He was the shyest guy ever. He kissed one girl. And honestly, we were, he, he was a lethario. Like the cool, like a, you honestly turned like a James Dean time type character. Just he just, he just had to flip that switch. Yeah. You do. You do. It's very true. And he what like this guy, what he was actually knocking them back. Like they were mad for him. The girls used to wait around after the shows just to uh, basically get an autograph and get to chat to him. So he he was basically your mate, Tony. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He was a Lothario. Yeah. So he was only delighted to be there. So his friends as well, you know, when they were there, as I said, they were teaching him to do loads of stuff. They also taught him, you know, which we would tut tut at. uh, They did teach him how to shoot a gun. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But it's Florida. You know, it is Florida. It's the 40s. Like, Mm. I guess, you know, what else would you be doing? Um, And then one day when he was in his late teens, a girl called Mary joined the circus and she had literally run away with the circus. So she was not 
a member of the community as such, but she had landed a job in this circus. She was a ticket girl, uh, wasn't a performer, but she felt for Grady very quickly and pursued him with gusto. Initially, wow. Grady wasn't interested because obviously, like, he didn't want to tie himself down. Sure, sure. This, this, this is this is the, the lobster boy. This is Scorps. This is like remember Justin Bieber. Like I, he was asked in some interview, like, what kind of girls do you like? And he was like, I like redheads. I like brunettes. I like blondes. Like I yeah. just like all girls. He didn't want to. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to pin it down for himself. Didn't want to pin it down, but also didn't want to turn away anyone else who might want to be interested in him. You know, exactly. So I he, miss he him. Was... <laughs> I miss I miss Justin Bieber talking about how much he loved Jesus all the time. Remember, he, remember, he was like a little remember when he was a boy and he was, I was like, I just want to thank my fans. Thank Jesus Christ. Thank everyone for what they've done for me. You know. He used to have this whole thing like spieled off, learned off. I remember seeing him like live and kicking or something like that or some equivalent show. Was was he into Jesus back then? Yeah, I think so. I think oh, so. I thought the drugs came before Jesus, which is often the case. No, I think Jesus found him again. Poor old Justin. I still have a lot of time for Justin, to be honest. Ah, yeah, he's a good singer. He's he look, I you know, he look, he's he, no he Chris Brown. Good songs. You know, everyone oh. kind of links him in the same, but he's not. <laughs> Oh, Chris Brown, you know the way I was actually saying to somebody the other day, you know, Eleanor Tiernan has that great mm. joke about when Chris Brown came to Dublin. No, and, I don't know that one. Oh, it's great. It's such a good anecdote. But she she talks about how he came to Dublin and, you know, he was doing the concert. So this is about, you know, this is a few years ago after we had all seen Chris Brown's True Colours. Sure. Um, and, you know, but he's had the concert sold out in Dublin and he came out on stage and was like, Hello, United Kingdom. And oh. everyone started to boo. And Eleanor was like, I just find a gas that that's the point. Ireland was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after everything. Yeah. That was that was the line that he crossed. So no, that's thank so you. That's so funny. So, yeah, we would probably, I'd say Grady was a bit of a Biebs back in the day, mm. but she, Mary did, you know, she was like the Mountie. She was there to get her man. So she eventually wore him down and the two began a relationship. Grady then helped Mary to claw her way, pardon the pun, uh, up in the industry. But she worked her way, so she worked her way up to being an act to herself. And her performance was called The Electrified Girls. So they essentially electrocuted her a little bit. And basically, sparks would supposedly come out of her hands. So this is why I feel circuses are not what they once were. Sure. Yeah, you don't get that these days, you know. There's no very minimal electrocution, certainly not deliberately. And clowns, clowns are crap. Look, I know I know a few clowns, right? I know a few actual clowns, you know. Oh, they do the really? Whole, yeah, you know, I, I thought of it for a while, especially when I was at the Fringe and I was chatting to various comedians and they're like, oh, I studied clowning. I studied a bit of clowning in, in, in France, you know, and uh, and I don't I don't I don't I don't get it. I mean, definitely there was a difference in terms of the confidence. They never seem to actually have to kind of step through some sort of threshold to be like, now I'm on stage. I was off and now I'm on. It was just this consistent like I'll screw around no matter what. Like seamless. Yeah, seamless, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's in, it's so, yeah, it is interesting because somebody recently told me about puppet school. And again, I just feel, <laughs> you know, coming back to the CAO form, Tony, I can't sure. speak for your guidance counsellor, mm. but like there was no reference to clowning or puppet schools. Like no, it was literally like just do the dip. Like that yeah. was it. Yeah, I think it was just more so like you're going to fail and I just need to figure out what the thing you can fail the least in 
is, you know, it was, so the option of kind of like, you know, you're going to excel at puppetry. And I know you've never shown me any puppetry, but I, I got a feeling about you. You know, that wasn't that was an option. <laughs> you know? But to be fair, puppets were very big. Like, you know, I think a lot of people were probably veering towards puppetry in Ireland for the while, like Zig and Zag, sure. Bosco, Dustin. Like, that's a family you know. business, though. That's that's the thing. They got they, they got the lockdown on that. That's that's the, just just those was it three brothers who do the whole thing. Are, are they brothers though those lads are they two brothers i think are zig and zag and podge and raj and then the cousin is johnny marcy yeah Dustin, it's, I, think. I know what you mean it's a tough one to break in yeah it is yeah so they're probably that's probably why they turned you off of being like look you're not you look you're no zig and zag right get into teaching you're, you're done yeah you're well <laughs> yeah. i probably i have been compared to bosco in my time but that's only because i'm a ginger i think we've all gone through that period sure of course um so grady anyway so grady and mary they uh, fell in love began the relationship all going well and then they got married which of course is you know what young people uh tend to do when they're in love mm-hmm. they married mm-hmm. in 1958 but it straight away wasn't a happy marriage so grady began drinking and was a violent and aggressive man so obviously oh. yeah he had kind of you know obviously been treated really badly as a kid he'd been bullied he had a lot of issues and unfortunately he decided to take those issues out on the people closest to him i.e poor old mary time and time again yeah, so now, you know, maybe we should have actually equated more so to Chris Brown than Justin Bieber. So I, sure, I, yeah. I recant. He had huge strength. So because basically his upper body strength was absolutely massive. Um, mm. So when he did physically attack poor O'Mary, he did cause serious damage, especially because his hands were like he couldn't form a fist. So they were, well, what he referred to as his lobster claws. But they, yeah. his hands were huge. So he did cause like an awful lot of damage to Mary, you know, when he did get violent. It's and like although two elbows per hand. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. So like just even the physical, I guess the physical even space in terms mm. of like what like he'd be able to hit would be huge because his, his, you know, hands were a lot bigger than a regular person's hands. Sure. So although he was becoming a man she didn't like, she wanted to make it work. And eventually they had a child together, a little girl who died of pneumonia. Oh. And then immediately after they had another child, a son who also died of pneumonia. Jesus. So, yeah, really bad. But it was actually, I guess, even though, you know, they did live in this community, which was very supportive and all the rest, like the conditions were were really bad you know they lived Mm. in mobile homes not a lot of services like the accommodation was poor so that's probably why you know the kids became unwell and their their third child donna came along she was fine she lived beyond infancy and she had no deformity whatsoever and then they had their next daughter kathy who like her her dad grady also had electrodactylic electrodactyly mm. and from the get-go Grady do you want to take a guess which girl he favoured Donna or Kathy? did he favour the lobster girl he favoured the lobster girl so he oh. was mad about her yeah mad about her and so when he would get when which is get difficult violent, then when it's when when the firstborn wasn't a lobster girl you know yeah I know it's it's a funny one like he really did he treated Donna in particular very in particular very badly mm-hmm. um but Kathy he really favored so whenever he got violent it was always poor Mary and Donna who bore the brunt was Kathy was never subjected to the to the same level of physical abuse at all horrible it's like yeah. John Lennon it's like John Lennon with yes. his son 
what I kind of, well, I don't know, I know this isn't a Beatles podcast, but I, what I kind of love about them is they're kind, they've kind of always been unapologetically devout in terms of wanting to write the the biggest pop songs they could so that they get they could get paid the most amount of money. And so then things about love were things that they wrote about because, you know, not totally. They obviously have a level of poetry and belief and understanding. And then they went off to India and had all this mysticism and everything like that. But essentially, like all the original songs about love and were, were pop songs, just they were like, right, let's write ourselves a Rolls Royce, you know, and all this stuff. So that yeah. went during the summer of love and everything. There's a video of a hip of a hip a hippie whatever a hippie guy who hops into John Lennon's garden and John Lennon's like in, in like the 70s and he's like right why don't you just or 1969 or something he's like right why don't you just come in I'll talk to you and the guy's like you're my prophet you're my god you know everything you said in those wow. songs you know they speak to me and he's just like it's pop songs it's just music it's just music it's all just music I made it up I didn't I don't, I don't believe it I don't believe any of it you know and he's just like just leave leave me Isn't alone that's you know? so interesting yeah. Wow. But not when exactly the, what you're talking about When was about the last time somebody jumped into your garden and called you their prophet? Be Look, honest, Tony. I'd say it happens on a regular basis. It doesn't happen. Luckily, they don't know where I live exactly. But it does, uh, you know, it does happen. It does happen on the street. It happens on the street. And, you know, I'm mauled. You know this, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> you're Justin Bieber. You're the Justin Bieber I am of the, the Beebs. So yeah. 15 years into their marriage, Mary finally left Grady and she took the kids with her. When the first courting hearing happened for custody, Mary didn't really understand how courts worked. And as a result, she didn't go. Because Grady had oh. turned up, he got full custody of the kids, oh, much no. to Mary's devastation. Yes. Yeah, so she didn't really understand, I think, how the whole court system worked. So Mary then went on and she met this guy, don't know if you remember this, um, this fella called Harry Newman, who was known as the world's smallest man. And they had a son, Harry Jr. So Harry was also named the human blockhead because he would do things like hammer nails into his nose. Do you remember there was always that one boy in your class that was like, just dare me. Yeah. I'll put the nail in my nose. Come on. And you're like, this is why none of us should have been allowed into the woodwork class. But that was Harry. What was so his name? Harry, I want to see a picture of him. Harry, Harry Newman was his name. Harry Newman. So they were married for a couple of years, but they soon divorced. And she stayed on with her son, Harry, as a single mother in, Gib- in Gibsonton. So Grady had remarried too, to a woman called Barbara. And they had a son called Grady Jr., who also had electrodactyly. But Yes. So now he was mad. He was mad about him. So now Grady Sr. saw an opportunity and he brought his daughter, Kathy, and his son, Grady, and made them part of his act. So this was like the lobster family part two. Ah, yes. Right. So now the only thing is, you know, whereas Grady's dad had. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, he was he had gotten them into it for financial reasons, mm-hmm. um, but he was maybe a little bit less. I would say a little bit less kind of um, maybe I would say maybe greedy than Grady because greedy than Grady. But he Grady was very much like, okay, nobody can see your deformity because that's actually where, you know, where the money is. So what we Mm. need you to do is when you're out and about, you're going to have to wear gloves now. And this is Florida as well. So like it's a warm climate. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Really insane, Grady. So he made the kids, the poor kids, wear gloves when they were out and about because he was like, no, 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 I don't want anyone seeing your deformity for free. 
So he just, I guess, you know, he was just a bit avaricious when it came to it all. Mm. And uh, so the poor kids, you know, were essentially like his golden ticket, really. He then was no longer performing himself because he was kind of getting on a bit now. Um, But his kids were. So in the meantime, his daughter, Donna, who was completely ignored here because obviously she couldn't be part of the show. She had ran away at 15. She'd met a boy and they'd fallen in love. Um, And given her dad's temper and his difficulty personality, she knew that her dad would never give them his blessing. Right. Yeah. So eventually when Donna was 17 in 1978, she and the boyfriend decided that they were going to get married because she was under 18. She had to get permission from the dad, which kind of surprised me in 1978. Yeah, that is weird. I would have thought, were they not shipping people off at 13 with each other back then? Yeah. Especially in Florida, you know, I don't, I don't know much now. I don't know if you know much about the States, but, you know, if in Florida, mm. it does get a bit of a bashing when it comes, you know, in American comedy. Sure. It's yeah. always kind of portrayed as this kind of mad place. So it surprises me that 17 in 1978 was not considered an adult and you still have to get your dad's permission. Have you ever played that Florida um, birthday game? Oh, no. What's that? You type in Florida man and then you type in your birthday. So in my case, it'll be uh, October 22nd. Right. And then the, and then it tells you and then you can see what the what the. OK, so this is my crime. So my birthday crime is Florida man accused of having sex with frozen. Oh, toy I have Target. heard this. Yes. So what you put in Florida man and you put in your birthday. Florida and Florida man on your birthday. And the first thing to pop up is usually the craziest thing that a Florida man has done. In my case, it's he, he, uh, he tried to have sex with a, a frozen like a, an Elsa doll. No. Yeah. Yeah. That Which is very on brand, so I have to say, for me. It is. It is very on brand. Uh, Mine is okay. Oh my god, this is so much fun. Okay. Oh, mine. Okay, no, mine is is mine is is a bit dark. I have to say, but look, it's (laughs) just just It's not as humorous as somebody wanting, you know, or trying to have sex with. Well, wanting to have sex with an Elsa doll, I'm sure, isn't necessarily illegal, but acting on it. Well, in some you can lock everyone up then, huh? The headline, um, I won't, I won't read, um, I won't read the byline, but the headline is "Man tries to escape police by jumping headfirst through window." Okay, so that's 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 that awesome. is so funny. Really. I had forgotten about that, and I never actually did it, but that that is gas. But that is the thing; like Florida does have that rep. It has a reputation. It's, would it's would all Ireland long. have an equivalent? Do you think, in terms of places getting a bit of a an an unfair slagging? Limerick gets such an unfair slagging. And Limerick, it's, I think, yeah. And it's lovely, but I don't, I, I wouldn't, it, w- it would not even come near in terms of the, the Florida. Uh, Ireland doesn't have a Florida. Um, I don't, I, I don't think we do have Florida. Probably, I think Limerick of all places has gotten such a hard time when it's such a fab place. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Great place. So Donna and the boyfriend, even in 1978 in Florida, still had to, you know, get the approval from the dad. Sure. So they went to meet Grady the day before the wedding was due. So they had rang him and she was like, look, I really like this guy, dad. I really want to marry him. I just want you to give, you know, us your blessing. So he was like, look, come back home, come back to the house. Well, the mobile home in question. And he was like, look, we'll meet, we'll hang out and, you know, we'll have a chat about it. So they came the day before the wedding. And essentially what happened was, so it had, the, it had been rumoured that Donna had made up that she was pregnant in the hope that this would convince Grady to let uh-huh. her marry to let her marry him. So it was one of the rumors that happened at the time. But Donna and her family were inside, you know, in the home and then they essentially were there and Grady and the boyfriend had gone off for a little chat in the yard. So they said, look, we'll leave them at it. And next thing they heard, gunshots. <gasps> yes. So poor old Donna left the mobile left the home, left the mobile home went out to the yard and saw that her dad was there wielding a gun and her fiancé was lying in a pool of blood, having been shot twice in the chest. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So Grady had shot him shot him twice in the chest and he looked at his daughter, Donna, who was obviously distraught, and said, well, it was better him than me. What? Yes. So he obviously admitted to killing the boyfriend straight away. I mean, how could he not? But he said that he had done it in self-defense. So the murder was a total media sensation at the time because he said, well, I felt threatened. Therefore, like, that's why I killed this guy. He's like an 18 year old. Uh, You know, he had started arguing with me, basically telling me that I couldn't control my daughter. And she could do what she wanted. And ultimately, I felt threatened. And that's why I killed him. But what part of the reason, obviously, the fact that he had been a bit, you know, of a circus celebrity previous to this, mm-hmm. um, that was part of the reason that it garnered so much attention in the trial. But also, he seemed to be totally unapologetic with it all and really enjoyed like the, the attention that came with because obviously he was ultimately a performer. Um, So the result of the trial was that he was found guilty of murder in the third degree. But although he was found guilty, Grady never spent a day in jail because the prisons couldn't facilitate his medical problems. It would cost them way too much. So as a result, they sentenced him to house arrest for 15 years. So in other words, he was just allowed to go home for the 15 years. And he was a little cockier now. He felt re- obviously felt inv- invincible, given that he had been told they'd never be able to accommodate him in prison. Wow. So he was like, well, I can essentially do anything now because I've yeah. murdered a man. And they were like, oh, you know, we really can't. Unfortunately, we can't accommodate someone with your, you know, level of disabilities, etc. In prison, so he was like, "Well, you know, I'm untouchable." It's almost like that double jeopardy thing where if you already do the crime, yes, yeah, yeah, you just yeah, do whatever you want. Exactly. So he was like, he he definitely was a little bit more arrogant when you know after the trial and a bit more unpleasant to live with. So Barbara divorced him. He was the second wife after a couple of years, during which time Grady had tried to start his own freak show. Didn't work out. Following this, he had moved uh, back home to Gibsonton 
And he actually reconnected, believe it or not, with his first wife, Mary. Oh. Yes. So Grady had stopped drinking as part of his house arrest. And as a result, Mary agreed to remarry him. But this turned out to be an even worse marriage than before. Oh, Mary. Mary, yeah. he killed a guy. He killed your son. I mean, yeah. I mean, pretty bad, to be honest. Like, you know, I, you don't want to be judging Mary here, but there were a lot of red no. flags at sure. this point. Yeah. But I will say she's she doesn't have very good taste in men. Well, <laughs> she really she, doesn't. I don't know well, about the short guy. I was going to say, we don't know a lot about don't Harry, but they... About they did divorce pretty quickly and he didn't play any part in Harry Jr.'s life. So I'm guessing he he wasn't, maybe he wasn't at like Grady level of bad, but he, you know, he wasn't exactly exemplary. You know what? Maybe Mary's just a big wreck the head. Maybe she's just a big melt. <laughs> maybe it's Mary's fault. Don't Actually, be Mary. This would be a new This would be a new take on this story, which yeah. I love. So they, they got back together. He's on house arrest, which means do you fancy going out for dinner? Oh, you can't because you're on house arrest. Like none of it's ideal. Yeah, you so know, it's he just... started his freak show in his gaff. Yeah. So <laughs> well, the house arrest, the funny thing was, was that basically the house arrest was just null and void because essentially it was just like, OK, we'll just make sure, you know, you're in your place of resident, residence from these designated times. Sure. So, I mean, the freak Fair show, enough. he actually started two freak shows. They didn't they didn't do too badly, but they just they just weren't the level of success that he had previously enjoyed. Like as well, I guess this is kind of, you know, the it was the early 80s at this stage. And I think the climate had changed. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, thank God, says you. But like this, there wasn't that same appetite for. Well, you know, there, certainly in terms of like circuses and stuff, there wasn't that same appetite for exploitative kind of performances. So it yeah. just, yeah, it was the and climate had changed. Does it go into at all what his act was? Like, I'm not. Well, actually, I, I saw a couple of photos. I didn't read anything on the act itself. Mm. I mean, I think the act was literally just him coming out and it was just that out. visual. Which is really disturbing to think I'd that him, was essentially the act. I'd put him in a big pot and he'd be like, Help. oh, yeah. And kind of, I wonder, they'd <laughs> have to, I wonder what they have played on the lobster thing a bit, like maybe a maritime theme. A maritime theme would be good. Um, maybe him in a in a role, um, <laughs> you know, with some dressing. <laughs> or, uh, and you know what? I've never gotten the lobster thing. I don't know if you're a fan of lobster, but. There does seem some like it's so sadistic to choose the lobster that gets to die. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, which is a lie, they don't feel it, but it's a lie. <laughs> no, I think that the one time that I did try to cook lobster, it was so scary. I remember the person I was cooking, my boyfriend at the time had a lobster and we were both kind of, kind of, we were quite nervous about bringing a live animal into the kitchen, which we were yeah, then sure. going to consume. And the lobster, there is no, people tell you that they feel nothing. That is not the case because the lobster proceeded to wreck the kitchen. Oh. I just remember it picked up the easy singles. It flung the easy, <laughs> the easy singles across the room. Like we actually had act. to go out to the garden. That that was actually Grady's act, I think. It was easy singles, just bringing, bringing them across the room. But there is no way that that animal was not sentient. Like sure. we had to go out to the garden he was just picking up shit. We were looking through the window, throwing it around the kitchen. Like our housemate had to come home and deal with the situation. But when people tell me they feel nothing, I'm like, no, sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 I mean, you could bring up the whole 
how did how did the ham sandwich get there? You know what I mean? How did you know someone someone had to pull the trigger somewhere? But, yeah, I can I think I, how I approach food is just the less questions the better. Sure. Yeah. 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 Just and also, I'm quite controversial because I prefer a battery chicken to free range chicken because I think a free range chicken, like they had a life, they knew what oh, happiness right, was. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, also, well, apparently, well, apparently, most free range doesn't look. It's bad no matter what. Apparently, the free range is that technically there's like a there's a door the size of an envelope that they could no. step outside. But they can't because there's too many people in there to, for them to get out. But it's they have the option if any of them can get out to a small, small, tiny enclosed area. Free range is like that. They have the option of getting out and going back in. Oh God, I think we'll all be vegan by the end of this. Really. Ah, we will. Ah, I liked. Will. I like to imagine like a free range chicken just had fields and acres to roam. Yeah. And then kind of comes in, you know, gets its fill is merry on all of its food and corn and then comes in to the lap of the farmer and says, I'm ready. Take me now. <laughs> and you're like, this is delicious. <laughs> so funny. Um, so uh, where were we? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Mary and Grady, uh, look, it was an awful marriage and the Horrible. fights were much worse this time around. So at one stage, Cathy, who had always been the favourite, this was a new low point. She intervened in a, a fight between Grady and Mary and Grady actually started beating Cathy instead, oh. which brought, I know, which brought on early labour. But luckily, both she and the baby survived. Jesus, this. Yeah. Upster, man. So, well, he's just, he's he's gone from bad to worse in the story. So one night, one night in 1992, Mary was in bed when Grady crawled, crawled into the bed and wielded a knife, saying one day he was going to kill her. He had killed before and he would kill again and he would get away with it as well this time. So he wasn't trying to be subtle here. He was like, here's a no. knife and just so you know, you will die by my hand. Jesus, like O.J. Simpson, if I did it. Oh, I know. Do you remember that book? Yeah, Honestly, <laughs> I, it's just it's and he's but he's out and about now, isn't he? Because do you remember he got done for the armed robbery? Yeah, he got done for armed robbery trying to steal his old jersey. His, back. his I mean, his own stuff from the was it a museum? Yeah. Some private collector, I think. Idea, yeah, I think so. Something like that. Ridiculous. So OJ is out and about. So look, Grady went to OJ's school of marriage, basically. Yeah. So he was like, look, just so you know, this is what's happening. Just so you so know, over, some before. Over over the next week, she expressed her concerns to her son, Harry, mm -hmm. and Harry had a solution. So in the early hours of the of a more so a couple of weeks later, in the early hours of the morning, uh, the police were called to the Styles mobile home. Grady had been shot three times uh -huh. and was dead. Uh -huh. Yes. Sitting in his underwear, having seemingly having been watching TV. So police's initial theory was a robbery gone wrong, but then they noted that money and valuables were left in the out in the open and nothing seemed to be disturbed. They also noticed that the family did not seem in any way upset at the death <gasps> of Brady. So like you'd least pretend to be sad. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, That's like, key. Like fake it, like like when you're calling sick, be like, oh, you know, just fake Gastroenteritis, it. You know? Gastroenteritis, baby. It was always my go-to. That's a good one. Yeah, a such one. a good one. So they did not pull the gastro card whatsoever. Oh. And they were, yeah, so they, they didn't seem in any way phased by the death of this man. So the police were like, okay, it's a bit strange. Um, and his death had been timed to a few hours before. So after speaking with neighbours and the family, the police could discern that Grady had been home alone. And shortly after 11, police had heard gunshots. 
Mary and Harry, who obviously have been living with Grady, had conveniently been at a family member's house when the murder happened. Oh. Yes. At and an they claimed, house. Yes, how convenient. So they claimed to have returned home and found Grady dead. So police were straight away very suspicious. But nothing came of it. So they asked, because obviously they had an airtight alibi. Mm. And all they had to go on was the fact that, like, the neighbours had heard the gunshots. So they asked Harry to take a lie detector test, which, shock horror. <gasps> Did he pass? He failed, he <gasps> failed miserably, really badly. So they re-questioned him and poor old Harry immediately broke down and told them everything. Sung like a canary. Sung like a canary, I'm afraid, poor old Harry. So he told them that his mother had come to him in fear and that the only way to protect her was to kill Grady first. He had asked another circus worker called Chris Wyand, who was a 17-year-old runaway, who did odd jobs in the circus if he would kill Grady for him. Chris needed the money and had bragged about his previous life of crime, including drive-bys and all that as well. So Harry knew he was good for this kind of... Mm you know, this 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 kind of encounter. So he'd asked Chris and Chris uh, basically was like, well, I'm going to need a bit of money. So Mary and Harry had got $1,500 together and approached him, went through the plan. And Chris was like, yeah, gladly accepted without any hesitation. So he'd arrived that night, tapped on the window of the mobile home, and uh, which was supposed to be the cue for Mary and Harry to leave. And mm-hmm. go to the family member's house. Shortly after, Chris broke in and shot Grady. When questioned, he admitted the murder to police straight away. So, I mean, these guys, like between Chris and Harry, like nobody is coming up with a cover no. story. They're like, yeah, you got me. Maybe maybe he's just proud of it. Maybe he's just, well, not, not Harry, but maybe this guy just sounds like a... Well, like this like guy spoof. was, yeah. I mean, the fact that he was shouting from the rooftops about how, you know, he'd been involved sure. in drive-by shootings and all the rest. And also, I think it kind of points to the fact, like, just naive as well as a 17-year-old, mm. that he's yeah. so willing to own these things straight away. Although I suppose you could, you know, on the flip side, you could say, well, you know, credit his honesty. But it, there was probably just a bit of bravado here. Sure. So he he also just admitted the whole thing, admit, admitted to the murder straight away and got sentenced to 27 years. So this is in 1992. Wow. Yeah. So Grady's funeral was really strange because nobody wanted to carry the coffin and barely anyone attended. It was a bizarre end for a person who up to that point had been considered a well-liked local personality. Um. Mary really pushed the self-defense thing in court. However, the only problem was that with that was that her life hadn't been in immediate danger in that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was hard for her to pull that one off. Yeah, that's yeah. I suppose it's the whole premeditated thing. You know, it's the whole. No, there's no crime of passion here. You know. Yeah, it's it's so it was well, it was meticulously planned as well. You know, so mm-hmm. they, they, that really wasn't going to wash, despite the fact, obviously, all her adult kids testif- testified to that effect as well. They were all very supportive of her and said like that their mother had been in fear of her life. They all told the court how violent Grady had been, and when asked why she didn't just leave him, Mary claimed she would be very easy to find, especially because her kids and because of her kids and their unique deformities, that she was just adamant that Grady would have found her, Mm. which is probably true. So Harry was viewed as the mastermind behind the whole thing, and he was sentenced to life in prison for first degree murder, which I think seems a bit harsh. That is pretty harsh, to be fair. 
Yeah, so uh, Mary was released into in the year 2000 and returned to Gibsington where she was not well received at all because she was known as the person who had murdered Grady, uh, who had, I guess, you know, you were asking there about the town itself. I suppose he had been kind of held up in the folklore of the town as this like sure. historic local celebrity and her reception was just it, it wasn't very good when she when she came back um to Gibsonton. So ultimately as the public's love affair with the free show declined, so too did Grady's power as a circus celebrity. So ultimately even though like his, you know, obviously status wasn't what it once was, people were still a little bit off with her for having killed him. So mm. his family maintained Mary and Harry's innocence until the very end when Harry, poor old Harry, died in prison in 2014. Uh-huh. Having served at that point 22 years for soliciting the murder of his stepfather, Chris Wyant was released in 2009, having served 17 years of his 27-year sentence. So he would have been 34 when he was released. So still Jeez. like a relatively young man, but insane to think he'd spent half his life in prison. That's mad, yeah. Just coming out and like what you do at Kill Lobster, boy. You know, that's, like for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Although yeah. to be fair, he did do it. Should have got him to kill Carol Baskin. Oh God! I mean, Carol. Don't even get. Well, Carol. Now she's the one we should be getting onto for how to get away with murder. Sure. Yeah. Fair point. Really, to be honest, like she, she probably is murder goals. Honestly, I mean, I don't know how she got away with it, but she definitely did. It's the, it's the only explanation that really it is true. Yes, no, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm, actually, do you know, what I did like about it is it's kind of like you can the documentary is like you can believe this or you can believe this or you can believe like just just this, like, they really kept those mystery plates spinning the whole thing. I really enjoyed well, it. It was it was I have to say it it really was the best thing I've watched on Netflix for a long time. Like there were sure. so many characters there that even now you're still mulling over. Yeah, like these people, like the, the, the I, I, like there were so many interesting people in it, and so many different angles. Mm. It really was like in terms of documentaries, I think it'll be hard to top. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I know what you mean that they, they kind of didn't necessarily push one angle or the other. Like there were so many ways to read different situations, and they kind of left it to your own conjecture. And there was just loads of cuddly cats everywhere. The old cuddly cats. They can't. They can't be best. Well, there's a few cuddly cats in Gibsonton, Gibsonton, Florida. If you ever want to pay a visit. Oh yeah. Quite a few cuddly cats. Still a bit of a Joe Exotic vibe, as I said. So that is the story of the Killer Lobster Boy. That is sensational stuff. I couldn't believe it. Genuinely, my my jaw was my mouth was agape when you said that Uh, he had been found dead on the couch. Tony, you're such a doubt. I mean, what an ignoble way to go. But then, I know. He, you know, he had been, you know, he had been a really bad guy and all the rest. But, you know, ultimately, it, it was still, it was still, it's still a pretty ignoble way. Yeah. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show. You. You're so brilliant and so lovely. Thank you so much. You're so brilliant and lovely. This has been lovely and um, great work. Great, great investigative journaling work, which I'm sure you've got all that information firsthand, I'm assuming. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those those return flights to Florida were so cheap oh. last week. You wouldn't even believe it. So it was well worth just going and doing some on the ground research. That's great. And, and this podcast is sponsored by Norwegian Air, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's also sponsored by a chicken factory. OK, so, great. Tony, if we want to find you, obviously, you're an Internet sensation. So you're all over. 
uh, stuff. Well, that's where you can find me. You can find me on the internet. You can find me at Tony Horror. Uh, on all social media things. I've got a podcast, Tony Cantwell's Shit Show. Which uh, we which love. I Thank you very much. I'm enjoying doing it. And so I have funny. A, I, get, I do that every week. And then the, I do an extra bonus one every month um, for a Patreon that you can listen to as well. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank and stay so much, safe Julie. out there. You too. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Cheers. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 